0: Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. Museums on the Australian island of Tasmania are a microcosm of museums all around the world. They struggle with properly interpreting their colonial past, the exclusion of First Peoples from telling their own stories in major museums, and having a large, privately-owned art museum reshape a small town. This month on Museum Archipelago, we're taking you to Tasmania. Over the course of three episodes, we're conducting a survey of museums on the island and exploring how each of them relates to the wider landscape of museums. Today, we visit the Tiagara Cultural Centre and Museum in Devonport, Tasmania, Australia. The museum is situated on Mersey Bluff, a traditional Aboriginal sacred site that now hosts a nature trail and a caravan park. The museum was built in 1976 to promote Aboriginal culture and cultural tourism. But the displays were put together by non-Indigenous citizens and scientists. David Goff, of the local devonport Latrobe Aboriginal community, remembers visiting the museum when he was younger and seeing offensive words on the plaques and on the walls, when we're, you
1: know younger and looking at this stuff and thinking, wow, you know, there's things here that there's words like the really inappropriate words talk about us as a, a no, no longer a race of people. People have been writing my family and our and our stories and writing it in a way that suited them. They wrote us as savages and, and nomadic and all these things. They, they wrote things that were like we didn't know how to make fire, so we were going to all these things like we were really limited people, but we lived through two ice ages today. Goff is the chairperson of the
0: Six Rivers Aboriginal Corporation and the manager of Tiagara. One of the first things he did as manager was put masking tape over those words.
1: You know, as soon as I got the the keys to the door back, I I put masking tape over words. with sticky tape there. I put masking tape over really inappropriate words. Written on them like, you know, beautiful people rather than um, some of the words that were under those words and said, well, now we can put ourselves in here, um, rather than this place Told stories about, it sort of left us as in we don't exist anymore, because we're not, we don't have our, our stories in here.
0: Offensive racial language covered up and written over by the very people it describes is the perfect metaphor for what Tiagara was in the past and what it's going to be in the future.
1: Hello, my name's Dave mangana and I'm from Tiagara, Tiagara Cultural Center and Museum, Devonport Tasmania. Tiagaro is an Aboriginal name that means to keep. This site is a significant site. Where the caravan park is just there was where there was huts and a village.
0: Aboriginal Tasmanians lived in Tasmania for at least 60,000 years, often completely isolated from mainland Australia by rising sea levels. European colonization of the island and a violent guerrilla war between British colonists and Aboriginal Tasmanians from the mid-1820s to 1832, known as the Tasmanian War, was devastating to Aboriginal Tasmanians. For much of the 20th century, including when Tiagara was constructed, the Tasmanian Aboriginal people were widely and erroneously thought of as being an extinct cultural and ethnic group.
1: There was a roundup of our people and a mass attempt to genocide our people. So, you know, impacts of colonisation and displacement has made people had to focus on chopping wood to make money to survive, and, and cultures changed and shifted. Growing up in schools, some of the kids go oh, Aboriginal. What does that mean? They don't. Know, they don't really grow up knowing a lot about what their ancestors did or what what happened to to their families, um, because it's you know it's been it's been pretty um. Well, especially here, our families went through great trauma, um, and that that still is affects us. So we're we're seeing young kids growing up, and there's just this uh, this sort of traumatic patterns that happen
0: through a series of careful museum upgrades, teaching Aboriginal culture to as wide an audience as possible. And activism, Goff plans to change this.
1: So it's important for for our own families. It's important for the other the other kids in the areas as well. You know the, that's why I go to the schools is. It's just, you know, to help work with our kids, but also the other kids. And then it builds this mutual respect and an understanding about who who we all are. And I think, you you know, understanding where our past will give them, hopefully, a way forwards.
0: Goff took me through the museum as it is today. Except for the masking tape and some ochre handprints, the museum looks almost exactly as it did in 1976. We enter through the front door a fake cave that opens to a description of the land bridges across the Bass Strait, which today separates Tasmania from the rest of Australia.
1: Yes, we enter with a cave. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty uh, we have got some money to do some changes and upgrades into this museum, this section, but we're very mindful that actually now this place is a time capsule and it's actually becoming a museum of museums, so um, I'm really cautious about making changes to it. Um, this, this panel here talks about 12,000 years apart, two ice ages where we were connected to Australia and how that allowed, you know, what people would say migration and, and people and animals. We know this actually came up close to here and this is a great lake. People lived around this lake. It wasn't just people walking backwards and forwards. And we've got a lot of Aboriginal heritage sites and rock shelters all underneath. When I bring kids through here and spend an hour with them, I talk about um, living sites and we use caves as living sites and we have several different caves in our country that are, some are living caves and some are ceremonial caves and the ceremonial caves we we try to keep quiet from most of the public because they get vandalised. I have visited a lot of our sites because I was on the Aboriginal Heritage Council for quite a few years and I've been very heavily involved in protecting our heritage around the country. What happens is when someone comes across and damages something, they were saying, oh, they didn't realise what it was. So then it would get thrown back at you saying, well, if if I hadn't known, I wouldn't have done that. That's why I went on the council. I really focused Mm -hmm. on changing that act about protecting our heritage um, to take out the ignorance clause and to put some due diligence around um, process. So If they're going to dig somewhere or they're going to do something in an area, they need to contact Heritage and find out if if there is something there that they would damage.
0: The gallery continues through detailed dioramas. Goff says visitors, specifically school groups of children that come through, are fascinated by them. But he says that without proper interpretation, without stories being told in the voice of Aboriginal Tasmanians, the diorama's true meaning is lost, and the lasting impact is lessened.
1: And this over here talks about what they call middens, which I don't like. The word midden but I think it might be a Latin name for rubbish you know um, and it's because that's what they saw it as but people drive up and with formal drives and and they're destroying them and we're constantly trying to make get protection we're trying to get world heritage listing of these areas because uh, some of these are about four times the high as high as this building so when you're standing there and you're looking at abalone shells on on that and you see the the height and you know that they were feeding and people were eating that's how old these places are um, many thousands of years old. And right there we have rock uh, petroglyphs, rock markings in those areas too, which are probably five times older than the, sp- the Sphinx. There's a lot of ceremony that happens around these these living sites. Babies are born and our elders are passed away and they're buried there or cremated there as well. So for us, these not rubbish tips, they're, you know, they're, they're a... You know, a hospital, a church, they're everything. They're graves, they're everything. Um, You know, and our family members have had to go up where they their four-wheel drives and rebury people. So, you know, exposing people's remains. Really, really uh, sad when you're up there and you're trying to stop people, that they're now saying it's their culture to four-wheel drive on, on these areas. Goff sees the public education as crucial, not just to protect
0: the sites, but also to protect the stories.
1: So this place, going through this with kids and getting to understand, maybe change some concepts and understanding about what, what, what's around them and what a landscape actually means. So when you see something like this, you can turn around to someone else and say, do you know what this is? Then you become the educator. And then you can pass on the reasons about why you would look after it. Um, because once it's removed, the story can go. The museum is currently closed
0: only open for prearranged tours consisting mostly of school kids and the occasional podcaster. Even the ownership of the museum has been contentious up until recently. The Devonport City Council rescinded the lease from the Six Rivers Aboriginal Corporation in 2014 and did not hand back the keys until 2015. Sammy Howard, fellow board member of the Six Rivers Aboriginal Corporation, explains that the museum has been hampered by red tape every step of the way.
1: Really, go, we've struggled for years trying to keep the doors open on here. It's the only museum keeping place in Australia that's not federal or state funded. I am just sick to death of watching our governments set us up for failure. They don't give us, didn't give us the training and the things that we needed. I'm starting to think that we've become uh, a collection of hoop jumpers. Because every time we get through one hoop, there's another one put in front of us. The white governments have got to be seen as we're throwing bulk amount of money at this and it's not working. You know, when you're trying to deal with these things, people want the, what they talk, kept talking about in meetings with me was return on investment. Um, and it's a difficult space when, you, when you're talking about sharing your culture and having a place for your community to be. This place means a lot to our families in this area. But both Howard
0: and Goff are optimistic about the future of Tiagara. The corporation hopes to bring some higher-tech exhibits, like touchscreens, into the museum and build the resources to maintain opening hours with staff and guides from the community, all while centering their own story. A number of factors contribute to their optimism. The museum can now apply for specific funding sources. From other Tasmanians, there's an increased interest in understanding the land and its people, and a greater understanding of British colonization of the island.
1: We're sort of feeling that this is our year where we will get this place open again, you know, more than just bringing school groups through. Um, and with this business plan and what we're doing is to get, be able to spend some some of this money and and um, upgrade some of the interps in here and put ourselves and our stories into this this space. This is really important. It could be an option of having a self-guided tour with people walking around. And as they come to different sections getting told that stories that we're we're wanting to tell um, but that's everything costs
0: money and it's not just upgrading the museum
1: all over Australia and
0: indeed all over the world the practices of welcome to country and acknowledgement of country are slowly becoming more common as a way to open events school assemblies and conferences
1: there's a difference there's an acknowledgement to country and they can be done by anyone is to acknowledge the land and the traditional people of the land. And that can be done by anyone and it should be done by people. To say, or you do a speech or a forum or a function, is firstly to say, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land. If you know the name of them, is to mention the name of them and to acknowledge that the land we meet on is, um, is their land and you know, those sort of things. A welcome to country be done by someone who's from that country. It's basically welcoming people onto our land and for people to understand where they are. I feel it's very positive, um, and people get to understand, they learn a bit about who we are or what land they're on, and um, and learn a bit about the traditional people and um, custodianship rather than ownership.
0: Goff describes visiting Native American nations in the U.S. state of Arizona, and realizing that the challenges that members of First Nations face all around the world, including developing museums that simultaneously serve their own people and the wider public are similar, and so are some of the solutions.
1: I do believe they're doing that more. I can see that with my friends in Arizona. If there's some acknowledgements coming up around the universities or where they sit, that's um, that's, that's a great thing. When we're doing things here, I'm getting things in support from my uh, my, my friends on the other side of the world that have been going through similar things. There was a conversation on there last week which was around acknowledgements. Those people know what we do is a I was able to comment on that, and then people backwards and forwards. So there is some support in in that, which is really, really positive.
0: Hi, it's Ian again. Since you've listened all the way to the end, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're a fan of Museum Archipelago. Join other fans by subscribing to Club Archipelago. It's a not-so-secret club that gives you access to special bonus features, like longer versions of some of my interviews, My take on the museum industry and insider tours of museums all around the world. All with the same humor and quality you've come to expect from Museum Archipelago. Join today for $2 a month on patreon.com slash museumarchipelago and get Museum Archipelago logo stickers mailed straight to your door. That's patreon.com slash museumarchipelago to join Club Archipelago. This has been Museum Archipelago. You'll find a full transcript of this episode, along with show notes, at museumarchipelago.com. If this is your first show, don't forget to subscribe for free in your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. And next time, bring a friend.